so many people's lives in this room who have been impacted by this man because of his faithfulness and because of his dedication to loving on lost people. And I know I'm one of those people, and so many others in here uh, were reached by him, and not only that, but we're in full-time ministry now uh, because we've grabbed hold of this purpose that comes from you. Um, and so I just pray that that, that spirit that is working among all of us in this room will just be amplified this evening as, as Lynn is speaking and that you'll speak through him and that our hearts will be open and uh, Father that all of us will leave here changed because of what you're doing through folks like Lynn and so many others here. I just pray you bless this time and it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hi. How are we doing? Is that louder than it's supposed to be? <laughs> it's louder supposed to be. Hey, I have got to say something before I get started. I mean, I, I don't have a choice. I always make somebody mad, and I'm fixing to make Wes mad and a few others. <laughs> Apple people always tell me, I joke with them, that they worship Apple. And, they, and they're all, every one of them, like, no, we don't. We don't worship Apple. Stop it. We don't. What did Wes stand up and say? You converted to Jesus. You may as well go ahead and convert, right? I rest my case. I cut that out. You cut that out? Oh, come on, it's got to be on the recording. I, when I got this topic and I started looking at reroute, let's talk about rerouting. I need to find an image on the internet that adequately describes rerouting. So I went on to the internet through Google and images and just typed the word reroute. And guess what the very first slide that came up was? I know if you've looked at your material, you know what I'm talking about tonight. You know what? If you, if you looked at your book at all, and all of you took it, so I hope you did, you know what I'm talking about, Philip. Uh, and my topic is to talk about Philip. And I'm going to take most, almost, actually all of my story, all of what I'm going to talk to you about, is going to come out of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian unit, the story there. And honestly, as I studied it, I had a lot of difficulty arriving in the direction that I wanted to go because there are so many directions you can go with that story. Man, you could preach 50 different sermons with that story. But I'm not only going to preach one, so don't worry, it won't, it won't go on that long. The story is, the person we're going to be talking the most about is Philip. Uh, Philip was from Antioch, and our first encounter with Philip is in Acts chapter 6. He's not brought up in Scripture very much. Matter of fact, what we're going to be talking is, is the only time he really is brought up in any descriptive nature. In Acts chapter 6, when the apostles appointed men to serve the Grecian Jew widows. If you remember that story, you'll remember that the apostles were brought a problem and said uh, these ladies are being overlooked and we need, we need someone to serve them because they're being overlooked. It wasn't fair in the food distribution. So the apostles told them, and I love the way they handled it. That's a whole other sermon. Uh, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit. Now, that's the first thing I want to talk about. Choose men from among you that are known to be full of the Spirit. You know, if we were going to start picking people here in this group, 
to be leaders of some type. We were all going to bond together and go on a great mission together. Wait, we're supposed to be doing that, aren't we? And, and we were saying, the leaders got together and said, let's, let's pick people that are known to be full of the Spirit. How would we know? How could I walk in amongst you and make a decision on people who would pick for some type of leadership roles that were known to be full of the Spirit? Doesn't that require that there's some type of action happening? Philip was known to be full of the Spirit. We're going to see why as we progress through it. Chapter 7, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is stoned, killed, murdered. Uh, and then the persecution of the church starts, which reroutes everyone but the apostles all over the country. And, and that's another sermon that we could go into about God telling them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and they're just there in Jerusalem. And then God's saying, no, I told you to go, so uh, guess what? <laughs> You're going to go. And then the persecution starts and they go. I find that interesting. Um, I also think about that. And I look in verse 4 and 5 where we find Philip again. And how do I say this? I think I'm looking at a group of people that, let's fast forward 15 to 20 years, and the elections haven't gone the way we wanted them to, and the, and, and the country's just gone down the tube, then radical Islam has taken over. And they're doing here in this country what we've been seeing them do all over the country. They're murdering Christians. What do you think you would be doing? Well, I live in a, in a city. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I know it's not a large city, but it's large enough to be a city that it would be a metroplex for people where I think they would first go to those type areas, they'd go to the cities, and they would find Christians. So what would I do? Well, I grew up out in the country, far away from civilization. The old farm place is still there. I wonder if I wouldn't go running out there. There's a storm cellar there. So anytime anybody else saw lights or anything, I'd go hide in that storm cellar. You know, I wonder. Is that what I would do? What would you do? Well, what I find extremely interesting is what Philip does. He's not hiding in fear. He's not cuddled up in some cellar. Instead, verse 5 says, chapter 7, verse 5, Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Philip wasn't afraid, but now he scattered. I don't even want to get into all the reasons why he might have scattered. But when he scattered, he didn't go into hiding. That's my point. He scattered and he kept preaching the gospel. And the more you read about what he did, there was no shape, form, or fashion was he in hiding any time he was out there. He was telling everyone about Jesus. That's what he was about. So here's what we know about Philip. He was committed to God's mission. Philip was a person that was committed. Another thing I know about him was he was available to God's mission. You're always going to find this to be true. Committed people are always available. Write that down and think about it. Really, we're going to get more to it. My main point that I really don't want you to miss, I'm going to throw it in early so that you get it, and I'll probably repeat it as we go through. How do I? I guess I'll just say, 
God will use committed and available people to expand his kingdom. God will use committed and available people to expand his kingdom. Now here's the part that I just feel like I have to say. And I know you could take this wrong. You could take this as, as an arrogant speaker um, coming across wrong to you. I would ask you to, to look inside yourself and know if what I'm about to say is not true and do some self-examination. Instead of taking it from somebody as a speaker, consider that everything I'm about to say to you comes out of God's Word. If God is not using you to expand His kingdom, this is a part that hurts. It's because you're not committed. Ouch, right? See, it's not because you're, you're in college and you just don't, you know, I've got to do my homework and I've got to prepare for this and I've got to get that done and I've got this girl I'm trying to see and, you know, it's really not because of that. It's because you're not committed. It's not because your boss won't let you off work. It's not because you have to work. It's not because, it's not because of anything other than the fact you're not committed. I don't care how many, how many ways you read scripture, that's what you're going to come across. Uh, I, I probably won't even say the name right. Andy Mino? Did I say Mino? Say Mino. Mino? I know I say his name wrong. He said if you're not committed to the mission, you're not committed to the cause. Right? I want you to know, in this room right now, are a lot of people that are committed to the cause. Matter of fact, there's a group of people in this room that I don't think often enough get the recognition nor the thanks from you that they deserve. That's your campus ministry team. Let me tell you about campus ministries. I've been in it long enough, I know this to be true. They don't make very much money. Almost all of them I know, if they were to go out into the world and work, they make, some of them, gosh, take Terry Cross, for example, he'd make 10 times as much money out in the world working for somebody as he makes in campus ministry. They're not doing this because of the money. And some of you are so focused on going through that college to get that degree so you can go out there and make that money, and you have examples right in front of you who have sacrificed everything. You have no idea how many hours these people have spent on their knees in prayer over you. Many of you in this room, and I would, I would contend probably most of you, because I know most of you were, were brought out of a lost world, this isn't a room full of church kids. I'm a church kid, so don't take that as a lot. I'm one too. But most of you weren't. You were brought out of the world. They fought for you. They were on their knees at night crying for you as they were fighting demons off of you, begging, pleading with their father. Please, Father, tell me how I can fight this particular demon off of this young man or this young lady. Help me, Father, in doing that because you told me you'd give me anything I need. And that's what I need. And they fought for you. They don't get what they deserve from us, do they? 
So I want to ask you to do something. I know this is a little different from what you're doing right now. Put your notes down. You won't need your notes. It's going to be a little disruptive. I want you to look around and find your campus ministry team. And get up and go over to them. Put your hands on them. If you can't get your hands on them, get your hands on somebody that's got their hands on them. We're going to pray on them right now. I know it's disruptive, but go ahead and do it. that is bringing a lost world to you because that's what you told them to do. They recognize that they are nothing. They don't want any honor and praise. They don't recognize it all belongs to you. Father, they've given up their life. They've been rerouted to follow you. These are dead people walking, Father. And they're walking, living a life for you. Father, I would ask that you take these people that have their hands on them and help them recognize that you, Father, have chosen these leaders. That you, Father, have empowered these leaders. That you, Father, are the one that wants this accomplished. That you don't want this just to be a game. That you don't want this just to be a little time they spend during their college years. That you're trying to say to them, these people will lead you into the fight. Because, Father, we know that there is a fight. Father, I want to thank you for each one of these ministry teams and their hearts. Father, I know right now I have sat in their position and had people with their hands on me, praying on me. And I know how uncomfortable it is to them right now. They do not like to be lifted up in front of other people. They are warriors in the background and they intend to be. And I know this is uncomfortable for them, Father, but also plan into their hearts how much we love them. Thank you, Father, for all that they do. Continue to give them the strength and the guidance and the wisdom that is needed for them to guide this generation to make a change right here in our own country, Father. Thank you for what you're doing here with Campus Ministry United, here at this workshop. Father, we only plead that we bring praise and honor and glory to you. In your Son's name that we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. God's good. Go ahead and work your way 
get back to Philip. Because Philip was committed to God's mission, God is getting ready to reroute him. He's getting ready to reroute Philip in a very special way that's going to give us a peek behind the curtain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's only a few times in Scripture where God does this. He says, I'm going to open the veil long enough for you to look behind the curtain and see how I work in the background in your life. I'm going to let you see it. I'm going to give you an example of it so that you can know this goes on all the time. The veil that he's talking about and the veil that I'm talking about is the, is the physical, the, the veil between the physical and the spiritual. See, right here among us right now, in this very room, there's a physical realm that all of you can see. Right? You see each other. You look over and you see that person nodding off that's a little tired, a little sleepy. That person that was just wore out from the football game. Or etc. etc. You can look around and you can see all that things. What you don't see is the spiritual realm that's right here in the same room among you. At the same time. And this goes on all the time. It's never, it's never not there. There's a spiritual realm. There are angels and demons in this room right now at war. And guess what they're at war over? They're at war over you. They're at war over your soul and they're at war over the souls that you will be trying to reach. Demons of discouragement are on people right now. I, I wish I could just look on the other side of the veil and see it. That I could look into this room and picture a, the demons and have a demon of, of tiredness, a demon of sickness, a demon of doubt, a demon of fear, the different demons, and see which ones they're on so that we can know where to go do battle. Because they're here. The ones that make you doubt what somebody's saying, the one that makes you angry at what a speaker's saying, even though what he says comes right out of God's word, it still angers you. Mackie says we're not doing a good job if we don't get somebody mad, right? I've had plenty of those experiences, isn't it? Right here, family vacation or other places. As a matter of fact, I think it's everywhere I've talked. I've had somebody mad at me about something I've said. And usually, usually, it's something I didn't say, but they thought I said. Because they weren't listening, because there was a demon of confusion on them, causing them not to hear everything that was said. They heard one thing and didn't hear the finishing sentence. That, that's a whole other story. What I want you to know, I want you to understand, God's going to let us look in the background here, and He's going to let us see what He does in that other realm. Bring, mixing the two realms together. Look at, let's unpack Acts chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now keep in mind, you're looking behind the veil here. First, why did God, just, just 
to, to reinforce the first point we had. Why did God use Philip to begin with? Because he was committed and he was available, right? Now, get this. This is something I found very interesting studying the scripture. Philip is not sitting around waiting. He's not sitting around studying, trying to know how to speak the best way. To be prepared. He's not sitting around doing anything. He is busy preaching and converting Samaritans. Do you get that? You better get it because that's going to be real important to understand what, what we're talking about here. Philip is about the Father's business. But God is about to reroute him. Now you think about that. God's got a specific task he wants done. He's got a specific goal in mind. He's going to work in the background that he's going to show us here of him working in the background to make something happen. And who's he going to use? Is he going and picking somebody who's sitting at home, kind of scared, kind of afraid? Somebody sitting at home saying, you know, I'll get in the fight when I get studied up enough. Somebody sitting at home saying, you know, I just don't have a little time to do this right now. Or is he going to go find somebody who is being affected? He's going to use somebody that is being effective. God uses committed and available people to expand his kingdom. So here Philip is, a committed and available person. And God sends one of his angels. It says an angel of the Lord. He sends an angel of the Lord to speak to Philip, to reroute him. Now it is... There is something specific, and that's a whole other sermon to go into about, about an angel of the Lord and how that's different than other angels. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. It's just real simple. These are specifically angels God uses to speak just what he says. Kind of like God calling down and picking up a telephone and answering he talks to you. The angel can't say anything that the Father does. The angel of the Lord can't say anything except what the Father says. So it's kind of like a repeating. So get that in your mind as this happens. This angel is going to go do specifically what the father tells him to do. And he says, here's what he says to him. Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Why was he so specific? That may be a dull moment for you, but I want you to add it into your thinking as we progress through here. Because God has been working on a specific person for a specific reason. You see, this is an example of God working in the background to reroute people into our path for a specific reason. See, God is not random in how he works. I wish I could tell you the number of times in my, in my number of years of ministry, campus ministry, the number of times that I've been in war, been, at, been in battle, been on campus, praying, praying for a specific individual that I met, praying, Father, please get them to come to whatever the event might be. And God works in the background and gets them to show up. And as a part of that prayer, I'm thinking, I've, I've done it so many times. Oh, Father, if this girl comes and she meets Lisa, I know the head of I know they'll have something in common, and I know that, that maybe they will, they will bond, and we can get to a point we can speak to her eventually about, about you, Father. 
But I, first step, Father, I don't want to go too far yet. I want to be very specific in my prayer. Father, get this person here. And he does it. He works in the background in miraculous ways, gets the person there to guess who's not there. I didn't feel like I had some homework I had to do, you know, or, or whatever the excuse happened to be that day. I can't tell you how many times I've saw that happen. I saw it play out. It broke my heart over and over and over how our own warriors will pick and choose when they're going to be in the fight over some of the most frivolous reasons. Now, I say that, and I know a bunch of you right now would say, but man, you're talking to a group of us that that's not us. And you're right. That's not you. You wouldn't be here at this retreat if it was you. I'm talking about the ones, you know, that, that were signed up, paid some money, were coming on the trip, but last minute, what happened? Well, what every campus minister knows is going to happen to most of them. And usually we even know which ones it is. They backed out at the last minute, right? Because they had something else to do. How many times does this happen? And we don't listen. It's what I love about Philip. Philip, listen. How do I know? Verse 27. What's it say? Philip started out. Now, this is an important point. Don't miss it. That, that little, those two words say amazing things about Philip. For example, he did not say, oh, Lord, why that road? That road is dirty and dusty. And you know, Father, there's, there's known to be thieves on that road. Couldn't we pick the road that's, that's you know, traveled with more people? And, and you know, he didn't go into any excuses. He didn't go into any, but Lord. He didn't say, oh, wait, let me check my schedule. He didn't say, oh, wait, now, I think I got a class on that time. I, I, I can't be there. I got to get my nails done. You know, I, he didn't. He didn't say any of that. What did he say instead? I want you to look at, I want you to look. If you've got it opened up to those verses, is it up there? Would you look very intently? What did Philip say? I'll give you time to find it. He didn't say anything. He just started out. Oh, how I long to have a campus ministry full of people that just start out when it's their turn to do what the Father's told them to do. That just take the initiative and go. Why? Because the Father said, go. Especially when your campus minister's working with you and they know the souls they're fighting over. They've prayed. They see them come into the picture because they've prayed. And they'll come over to you and they say, Hey, Josh, go over and talk to this guy, this girl. Never had a problem with Josh going to talk to a girl, so that's not a good use. <laughs> guy, go over and talk to this guy. And, and they look at you like, Is there something on my face? Why are you looking at me that way? And you want them to just, you don't want them to say anything. You want them to just go and talk to the person because that's what we've been training the entire time to do. Well, that's what Philip does. He doesn't say anything. He just starts out. He changes direction. He is rerouted. We want to be like Philip. If we want to be committed and available, then we need to listen to God when he speaks to us. And then we need to take the action he's told us to take. Right now, some of you would say, but wait, man. 
you, you've talked to me about this, and, and all weekend we've been getting people talking to us about trying to energize us into action. I want to know specifically, get practical, how can I be committed, available, and listen and take action? Don't put slide here. Paul tells us how he did it. You see, I hear us often talking about, and I'm always, I don't, I don't know if I'm amazed at it or perplexed. I really don't know what the feeling is, but how many times have I heard someone talking and we talk about being so amazed that Jesus was raised from the dead. And we talk about it like it was the only time it ever happened. That this is such a major big deal. Don't get me wrong. It is a major big deal that Jesus was raised from the dead. But let me tell you something. Scripture is very clear on this point. He was the first fruit. What does that mean? Anybody? That means there's going to be a second and a third and a fourth. He was the beginning of it. Guess who's been raised from the dead since then? Anybody in this room that has turned their life to Christ and been buried in the waters of baptism, died and was buried and now come out to live a new life, you've been raised from the dead. Do you get that? Jesus was the first fruit. So when Paul says how he did it, we need to recognize we've done what Paul says. He says, and you put slide up now if you want to, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the LSV, it's died itself. All of that, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, Christ lives in me. In the LSV, it's died to self. Oh, I'm seeing some confusion. Y'all not familiar with LSV? It's a Lynn Stringfellow version. I just shortened it. Everywhere I've been in ministry, it's been my intent to make sure in Tampa, the first thing I did, first day on the job, I went up to the black whiteboard and took a magic marker that wouldn't erase and I wrote, died itself. Because that is the foundation of the ministry, every ministry I ever want to be involved in. You see, you're not going to do anything for Christ and His kingdom as long as you're still living. As long as you're living, you're going to be about you. You're going to want the ministry to be about you. Your campus minister is going to want to go do something. You're going to say, ah, I don't really like to do that. I don't like to bowl. I would go bowling. Not about you. It's about somebody who's reaching out to that likes to go bowling. But you see, he can't tell you that because you're so thick you don't Because you're still alive. You're not supposed to be alive. I think the people in this room get that, don't you? Shake your heads with me if you get it. That's why you're here. You died. That's how we become people that are committed, that are available, that listen, that take action. We die to self. But here's the problem. As Paul would describe it, he didn't just do that once. Baptism wasn't the only time Paul did it. He said, I die daily. I really do. I die every day. Why would he say that? Because that's what it takes 
to be somebody that's going to be used by God in the ways that we want you to be used by God. Because I want you to get this. These conference, the whole reason we hold these conferences is not just to give y'all a fun time at the beach. Although we love you coming up here and having a fun time at the beach. That's really not the reason we hold them. The reason we hold them is because there is a world full of people out there that are dying in their sins. And you have exactly what they need. And if we can get you committed, available, listening, and taking action... You're reaching by the thousands. Again, I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I'm just pointing out the obvious facts. We've been here seven years now. Guys, we couldn't hold people in this room. If you just went home one year, and each one of you did what we're asking you to do. What, let me correct that. Went home and did what God is asking you to do. Because there's never been a speaker standing up here asking you to do anything that the Father is not asking you to do. And that's go home and find one person and share the same saving grace with them. That's it. If we just did that one year, if we all wanted together and said, you know, I'm going home this year and I come back next year, there'll be somebody with me. If everybody did that, look around. This room wouldn't hold it. We would love to have that problem. But not because we want to be all that. You know, we hold this conference and some people say, well, you're holding this conference, you're trying to steal other groups to come here from other conferences that are here. And I don't even understand that thinking. I could care less what the other groups do. What we want to see the growth happen here is a result of you sharing your faith with lost people. That's how, that's how I want to see growth. People that are already saved, they're already saved. <laughs> we don't have to go bring them here. Let's get the people that are not saved and bring them here. I contend when you die to self, you're going to be committed, available, and then you'll listen, and then you'll take action. Philip listened, and he took action. And what I love about the rest of the story is he continued to listen. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I wish I had the time to talk about how God got the Spirit involved in this. Or most likely that the Spirit said, saw what was going on, just jumped in because he's in tune with God and did his part. How this was no coincidence. How God was working in the background intentionally to make this happen. I guess I just did. Didn't I? So verse 30, Paul again listened. I mean, Paul, Philip again listened and he took action. Look what he did. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet and says, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> I love how Philip, how Philip doesn't wait for further instructions. You see, we need to be a people that when it's time for us to take our part of the action, we take it. We don't have to be robots He's not expecting us to just take every single... And wait, Father, wait. You sent an angel first. You sent the Spirit second. Okay, I heard this guy reading. Now what am I supposed to do? Send somebody to tell me. Send an angel. Send something. What am I supposed to do next? Philip didn't wait on nothing. He knew exactly what to do next. Right? He knew what he was supposed to be about. He hears him reading and he jumps in and does his part. The part, now get this, that he was called for and prepared for at this very moment. You see, it's because Philip gets it. 
Here's a soul God's been working on in the background, and his servant gets it. You see, we need people that get it. You need to be people that get it. There are lost people out there that need you to be people that get it. Get it? <laughs> Philip knows what to do from there. He goes and he speaks the life to this Ethiopian. He tells him the good news about Jesus. He teaches him about baptism. And I know there are scholars that say, wait, man, you just jumped train tracks there. Uh, nowhere does it say he taught them about baptism. Well, then why did they stop the chariot and get out and be baptized? Yes, he did teach him about baptizing. And he baptized them. And from history, we know that a large church was started up in Ethiopia about this time. Where would the eunuch have been if Philip hadn't listened? Where would Ethiopia have been if Philip hadn't listened? So let's examine just a little bit of the rerouting that's taken place so far. Philip was preaching in Samaria. He was preaching in Samaria. You get that? He was reaching lost souls in Samaria. He was being effective, doing his job. But God had something else going on that he wanted Philip involved in. And because Philip was committed, available, and listened when he called, he was rerouted to play a big role in the expansion of God's kingdom. And here we are talking about it 2,000 years later. The Ethiopian was also rerouted. I found it interesting that he went to Jerusalem to worship, and he couldn't go in the temple to worship. And I would contend he probably knew it, or he wouldn't have traveled that far to begin with. He knew he was going to be able to, only going to be able to go there and watch everyone else worship. But he returns home to start a church and bring hope to an entire continent. God rerouted the Ethiopian Union. So how can we, this group of people, how can we be a people that are rerouted to do his will? I would give I would give my life. And I mean that really well. To be able to stand up here and speak in a powerful enough way to convince you to get in the fight. And I know many of you look and you'll say I'm already in and I, and I would say not, not the way I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the fight like Terry Cox is in the fight. I'm talking about in the fight like your campus ministry team is in the fight. I'm talking about in the fight like the Apostle Paul was in the fight. I would give, I literally would give my life to be able to motivate you to the point that you would give up this wasted earthly track and say, Father, it's I give it all up to you. It's all yours. Everything I do from this moment forward will be about me. You see, I know, I know when I say this that you, that you, you can find flaws in the way I'm going to say it. I am not a powerful speaker, and I know that. I, I don't care to be a powerful speaker. 
all I care about is that the Father has told us to reach lost people. And as long as I'm on this earth, I'm going to do what I can to reach those lost people. And part of that is trying to motivate you to see that same picture. That if you don't live a life worthy of His calling, what kind of life is it? Your time here is so short. I, I know at your age you don't get that yet. Because I was at your age. I know it was a long time ago. But I was at your age. And I didn't get it either. But let me tell you that more, every year that goes by, it goes by faster. And when you get my age, you start looking back going, wow, I wasted a lot of time. And you start looking forward going, and there's not very much time left. And you begin to cherish that time. And what I would like to see, I have pleaded with the Father to be able to see a movement happened amongst your age bracket that shocks the world. And here's the part I wish I had the ability to get you to hear. I believe you can do it. I believe what could happen in this room if we all bonded together and said, we are one and we're going to do this. And you went home and you actually did it instead of everything else that you go home and do. It would explode. And I mean, it's bigger than even I'm imagining. And I've got a big imagination when it comes to God in the world. And I know this group can do it. I know. Without any doubt in my mind, you can. You know why I know that? Because he said he can do all Paul said he could. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many people he converted? Every one of you has the ability to do it. And it's really not a big giant change. It's one little heart change. I would give my life to be the person to be able to help you. And not because I want to be known as the person that did that. Because the lost people need it. I don't care if I got zero credit for it. I would die for it. I'm asking you to be that group because you can be. You have the ability. And here's how, here's how I believe we can bring hope to this country. I'm going to finish it up here and I'm going, to, I'm going to flesh this out. Here's how you can. I'm supposed to get practical with this. This is as practical as I know how to make it. <clears throat> there are people in this room right now that have been rerouted over and over and over by God to do the exact thing that I'm asking you to do. You can learn from them. I'm just going to name a few. Robert Rita Cox. Y'all all know Robert. Everybody here knows Robert Rita Cox, right? If you don't know them, they're in this room, fine. Ask anybody else in this room and they'll show you who they are. They started a church in their basement. I won't, give, I won't have, be able to give you the correct information because I just kind of took what I've heard and added it together. They started a church in their basement with 22 people and grew it. And then they rerouted to plant another church in Winsville. And then they planted another church from there, and I don't even know the name of it, but somebody want to help me with that? Where's the second plant at? Or third plant at? Where? Interbell. Interbell? Or is that something else? Now you're getting ready to plant even another one. Where's that? Collinsville. Collinsville? What's my point? 
They did why they do all that? Why did Robert and Rita sacrifice their lives to do all that? To reach many of you sitting here in this room. You would not have been reached had they not been rerouted to do this. And you know who I'm talking about, don't you? Because you're sitting here. They reached you. Didn't they, TC? Let me tell you something. They're not done yet. Jan and Gordon Dasher are sitting here in this room. If you haven't met them, meet them before this is over. You probably heard him speak earlier. If you didn't, get it on tape and listen to it. He preached here in Florida. He was actually till the second grade. Is that what I heard you say? Right here in this city? First grade? Right here in this city. It's where, where he lived. He was rerouted to Monroe, Louisiana, where he serves as an elder of the White Square Road Church. Or it's now called WFR. Is that right? trying to get all this right. He was rerouted to head up a church plant in the ULM campus. ULM is right. I see I'm, I'm hitting home runs here, folks. I'm remembering all this stuff. If you think my memory, you know how bad that is. He's played an active part in the Duck Dynasty. And guess what? He's not done yet. He's here because he wants his group to, came, to catch the exact same fire I'm standing up here talking about. He wants them to reach lost people just like I want you to reach lost people. All those people I'm talking about want you to reach lost people. I'll toot my own home for just a second myself. My wife and I, Carol Stringfellow, who puts this conference together. By the way, she puts all of it together. She keeps all these crazy speakers. And let me tell you something. When you're trying to keep Carrie Cox, Robert Cox, on track, man, keep you from burning the building down. <laughs> It takes somebody with organizational skills to do that. That's right. I, <laughs> I was in Corpus Christi, Texas, working as a salesman, earning a very decent income, living in a 3,000 square foot home, two cars, a boat. I worked three months out of the year and I fished the rest of the time. I had reached the top of the ladder for where this old country boy wanted to go. And God said, nah, not in the direction I want you to go. He rerouted me to Tampa, Florida to start a campus ministry. And start all this. And then he rerouted me to Tulsa, Oklahoma to start three campus ministries. And continue building all this. And guess what? He's not done yet. And there are a lot of other people in this room that I could spend a whole lot more time that they don't want me to take that I can lift them up to you and say, Carrie Thomas, Carrie and Hannah, Donnie Dill. I, I could just go on and on and on about people in this room that have stories they can tell you of being rerouted to do what it is we're all trying to do so you can go to them, pick their brains and say, how can... Somebody as dumb and ugly as me do what you've done. They'll tell you. They're dying to tell you because they want this done. So I'm going to ask anybody in here. This is the end of it, guys. And I'm not asking you to do this because I want you to receive any praise because that's not what this is about. I'm going to ask you to do this because I want these people to see who it is they can go talk to. If you're in this room and you've been rerouted by God to accomplish his, his mission in campus ministry, stand up.
Just, just stand up right now, please. Just stand up. Anybody in here that's been rewriting to accomplish his mission, these are the people I want you to go talk to when this is over. And some of them that didn't stand up because they, whatever, they don't want it to be about them. Go ahead and sit down, guys. Go talk to them when this is over. Pray with me and close this out. Father, I want to ask you at this time, Father, let me rephrase that. I want to plead with you at this time, Father, to let this be a generation that returns back to doing your will. Let this be the generation that leads all of us, all of us old people that messed it up, that leads them out into the fight, kicking and screaming if necessary, to bring us, Father, out there to find those people that need you. Father, I'm, I'm pleading with you to start a movement right here amongst this building that just explodes and the world looks at and says, what are those people doing? And they'll all look back and say, just sharing what we've been given. Father, we thank you. We love you. It's in your Father, is your Son's name that we've come before you. Thank you for allowing me to speak to this audience. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.